Hey there, I'm Scott. And I'm David. And this is Books by Old Dead Guys. This is our ninth episode, my Nine. man. We're about to go into double digits, David. That's a that's a that's a milestone. It's a major accomplishment. That's a milestone, my it's friend. A major award. Yeah, we're getting close <laughs> to the Christmas season by the time we're at episode ten. And mm. so yeah, man. Mm. Gotta, gotta be, that's be, your favorite time of year. There will brother. be some random Christmas movie quotes interjected along the way as we read the Puritans, <laughs> guaranteed. 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 I wait mean, wait until you get to the ones that we recorded during the Christmas season. <laughs> those are really going to be those are really going to be the ones that have the Christmas references. That's great. Okay, so we're reading Richard Baxter's Reformed Pastor. And uh, we are almost done with chapter one, which really does feel like a major accomplishment. Yeah. Right? If you've never read Puritans before... Like, you really should feel pretty good about yourself when you make it through the first chapter because part of what you're doing is learning how to read them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's really part of the purpose of this podcast is to help you learn how to read these guys who wrote a long time ago because they have a lot to say to us uh, that's helpful and relevant for us now. And, and what Baxter has been walking through is the need for pastors. And we've, we've extended that out to Christians, to workers in the church, uh, to examine their own souls uh, before they ever begin to undertake the work of ministry in any way. The first thing we look at is ourselves, which which alone is contrary to the way we handle ministry calling, right? Like mm. there's this there's this pattern. We are Southern Baptist in our congregation, and, and there's this pattern that happens in the Southern baptist world where what happens is a young man has an emotional experience at the end of a worship service, and uh, sometimes there's this invitation that's given and the pastor will say something like, if you feel like God's laid it on your heart that you're supposed to go into ministry, you know, come on up to the front or raise your hand or whatever action we're asking them to take, etc. And then, and, and, and I don't know if there's anything inherently sinful. I mean, I have some questions if that's it. But then what we do is this young man makes this decision, quote unquote, if you will, to go into ministry. And instead of examining that in light of what the Bible's teaching, and what more mature Christians around him are saying, we just assume because he's had this emotional experience, that well, he must be called. Mm. And, uh, and Baxter has some serious words for us about that. And he's helping us to see what does it mean, truly what does it mean to be called to ministry. And I think these, this, this chapter, this first chapter especially, builds for us this foundation. What it means to be called to ministry, number one, is to pursue Jesus with all your heart. Do the work of killing sin to, to place great weight and value on holiness. And then from there, we can talk about the rest of it, which is exactly how he's got the book structured. Let's, mm-hmm. let's start with holiness, and, and then we can go from there. Mm-hmm. And so here we are. We're at the end of chapter 1, section 2 of chapter 1. We're, at the, we're in the middle of subsection 8, yeah. and then subpoint 3 under subsection 8 of the second half of chapter 1. If you got that. Good on you. We're, we're gonna we're gonna keep reading. So, here we are, and I'll read this week. Sweet. And uh, and David can can comment. Here we go. Here's what it says. Do you think it is a likely thing that he will fight against Satan with all his might, who is himself a servant of Satan? Will he? Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna make it past the first sentence. Uh, Ooh. That's a that's oh. a. 
man, we've talked about some gut punches. That's another gut yeah, punch right there. There's, there's fat How facts can a man fight against Satan when he is, in fact, the servant of, of Satan? Satan? I feel like, I feel like you know that sound effect that goes, whoosh, you know, when you get slapped. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like we should just hit that. Yeah, we should find whoosh. that sound effect. All right. Will he do any great harm to the kingdom of the devil, who is himself a member and subject of that kingdom? Will he be true to Christ, who is in covenant with his enemy? Now, this is the case of all unsanctified men, of whatsoever rank or profession they may be. They are the servants of Satan and the subjects of his kingdom. It is he that ruleth in their hearts. And are they like to be true to Christ that are ruled by the devil? What prince will choose the friends and servants of his enemy to lead his armies in war against him? This is it that hath made so many preachers of the gospel to be enemies of the work of the gospel which they preach. No wonder if such deride the holy obedience of the faithful. And if while they take on them to preach a holy life, they cast reproaches on them that practice it. Oh, how many such traitors have been in the church of Christ in all ages who have done more against him under their colors than they could have done in the open field. They speak well of Christ and of godliness in the general and yet slyly do what they can to bring them into disgrace and make men believe that those who set themselves to seek God with all their hearts are a company of enthusiasts or hypocrites. And when they cannot for shame speak that way in the pulpit, they will do it in private among their acquaintance. Alas, how many such wolves have been set over the sheep. If there was a traitor among the twelve in Christ's family, no wonder if there be many now. It cannot be expected that a slave of Satan, whose God is his belly, and who mindeth earthly things, should be any better than an enemy to the cross of Christ. What, though he lives civilly and preach plausibly and maintain the outwardly a profession of religion? He may be as fast as the devil snares by worldliness, Pride, a secret distaste of diligent godliness, or by an unsound heart that is not rooted in the faith, nor unreservedly devoted to Christ, as others are by drunkenness, uncleanness, and similar disgraceful sins. Publicans and harlots do sooner enter heaven than Pharisees, because they are sooner convinced of their sin and misery. Oh, man, oh, man. So, yeah, Baxter here describes those who... Uh, are unsanctified and yet in the ministry as though they were spies of the enemy, mm. that they were traitors who came in and, and took on the, the outward appearance of being a follower of Christ and yet mm. in doing so did more harm to the church than those who, look, who actually look like mm. servants of the devil. Well, you think about, well, you think about the scriptures, right? Those who persevere to the end, end. will be saved. And, and we wonder, how do we deal with men who reject not just ministry, but who reject Christianity very publicly. There's this whole, what was the movement? Was it called Leaving Loud movement or something like that that was mm -hmm. relatively recent? I want to say it's within the last one or two years. I'm, I'm nothing if not archaic. Relatively recent is not my strong suit, but I feel like I remember you know, hearing about this, this group of people who, who felt it incumbent upon them to not only just leave the church or, or leave the ministry, but to leave, quote unquote, loud. In other words, this is why I'm leaving the church. This is why I'm leaving Christianity. And, and faithful Christians are left wondering, well, how do we view this? Well, Baxter makes it clear. Mm -hmm. They're spies for the enemy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah which I is mean, helpful, right? I mean, 
The words of John, right? They went out from us because, because they, they were, were never of us. of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Truly, truly, truly. Yeah. Man. Okay. All right. So where am I? Uh, okay, here we go. And, and, if this were not bad <laughs> enough, he says, though many of these men may seem excellent preachers and may cry down sin as loudly as others, yet it is all but an affected fervency and too commonly but a mere useless bawling. For he who cherisheth sin in his own heart doth never fall upon it in good earnest in others. I know indeed that a wicked man may be more willing of the reformation of others than of his own, and hence may show a kind of earnestness in dissuading them from their evil ways, because he can preach against sin at an easier rate than he can forsake it. And another man's reformation may consist with his own joy enjoyment of his lusts, and therefore... Many a wicked minister or parent may be earnest with their people or children to amend because they lose not their own sinful profits or pleasures by another's reformation, nor doth it call them to that self-denial which their own doth. But yet for all this, there is none of that zeal, resolution, and diligence which are found in all that are true to Christ. They set not against sin as the enemy of Christ and as that which endangereth their people's souls." A traitorous commander that shooteth nothing against the enemy but powder may cause his gun to make as great a sound or report as those that are loaded with bullets, but he doth not hurt the enemy. So one of these men may speak as loudly and mouth it with an affected fervency, but he seldom doth any great execution against sin and Satan. No man can fight well, but where he hateth, or is very angry, much less against them whom he loveth and loveth above all. Every unrenewed man is so far from hating sin to purpose that it is his dearest treasure. Hence, you may see that an unsanctified man who loveth the enemy is very unfit to be a leader in Christ's army and to draw others to renounce the world and the flesh, seeing he cleaveth to them himself as his chief good. Mm. So Baxter talks about how it is very possible for someone who is unconverted to preach well against sin because preaching against sin does not require you to forsake your own sin. Mm, mm. You know, he's, he says, and I, I love this, he can preach against sin at an easier rate than he can forsake it. Boy, that's true, isn't it? That is so true. It's easier for me to pick out the speck in my brother's eye <laughs> than it is for me to take out the log that is in my own. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, Phariseeism, legalism, hypocrisy are all built on that shaky foundation of being able to be a good we call that log specking mm -hmm. be a good log specker yeah yeah but yeah i mean we can we can so easily desire to see other people change mm. we can desire to see other people changed mm. but yet not desire to say see change in our own lives mm. Mm. and so baxter calls that being a a, a traitor you know, shooting blanks against the enemy. What a great picture! It's I love that illustration. Picture. Yeah, that you're. It looks. It looks like you're fighting. Uh huh. You're just out there shooting a pop gun. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. That's fantastic. So okay, so one more section. Here we go. It is not likely that the people will much regard the doctrine of such men, when they see that they do not live as they preach. They will think that he doth not mean as he speaks if he do not live as he speaks. They will hardly believe. That seemeth not to believe himself. If one bid you run for your lives because a bear or an enemy is at your backs and yet do not mend his own pace, you will be tempted to think that he is in but jest and that there is really no such danger as he alleges. When preachers tell people 
of the necessity of holiness and that without it, no man shall see the Lord and yet remain unholy themselves. The people will think that they do but talk to pass away the hour and because they must say somewhat for their money and that all these are but words of course. Long enough, you may lift up your voice against sin before men will believe there's any such evil or danger in it as you talk of while they see the same man that reproacheth it, cherishing it in his bosom and making it his delight. You rather tempt them to think that there is some special good in it and that you dispraise it as gluttons do, a dish which they love, that they may have it all to themselves. As long as men have eyes as well as ears, they will think that they see your meaning as well as hear it. And they are apter to believe their sight than their hearing, as being the more perfect sense of the two. All that a minister doth is a kind of preaching. And if you live a covetous or careless life, you preach these sins to your people by your practice. If you drink or game or trifle away your time in vain discourse, they take it as if you said to them, neighbors, this is the life you should all live. On this course, you may venture without any danger. If you are ungodly and teach not your families the fear of God, nor contradict the sins of the company you are in, nor turn the stream of their vain talking, nor deal with them plainly about their salvation, they will take it as if you preach to them that such things are needless and that they may boldly do so well as you. Nay, you do worse than all this. For you teach them to think evil of others that are better than yourselves. How many a faithful minister and private Christian is hated and reproached for the sake of such as you? What say the people to them? You are so precise and tell us so much of sin and duty and make such a stir about these matters while such or such a minister, that is as great a scholar as you, and as good a preacher will be merry and just with us and let us alone and never trouble us himself or himself with such discourse. You can never be quiet, but make more ado than needs and love to frighten men with talk of damnation when sober, learned, peaceful divines are quiet and live with us like other men. Mm. Such are the thoughts and talk of people which your negligence doth occasion. They will give you leave to preach against their sins and to talk as much as you will for godliness in the pulpit if you will but let them alone afterwards, and be friendly and merry with them when you have done, and talk as they do and live as they, and be indifferent with them in your conversation. For they take the pulpit to be but a stage, a place where preachers must show themselves and play their parts, where you have liberty for an hour to say what you list, and what you say they regard not, if you show them not, by saying it personally to their faces. You were in good earnest, and did indeed mean them. Is that a man then likely to do much good or fit to be a minister of Christ that will speak for him an hour on the Sabbath and by his life will preach against him all the week besides, yea, and give his public words the lie? Mm. Mm. So Baxter has, uh, has some things to say mm. about those who preach one way and live another. Mm. And he, he says people will not, nor should, should they, listen to you no. if they see that your life does not match what you preach yep you know, he, he says when people tell when preachers tell people of the necessity of holiness and that without it no man shall see the lord and yet remain unholy themselves the people will think they do but talk to pass away the hour they'll think that you're just you're just talking you're just full of talk yeah you're just all talk boy we he, he talks a, a good deal in here too about the pastor who just tolerates the sin of others. I mean, we see this 
Pickett, you know, how, how much does the world applaud the, the biblical scholar who says ridiculous things like, well, Jesus never talks about homosexuality. Jesus never talked about homosexuality in the Bible. And, and how quick people are to applaud things that the Bible very clearly condemns. Mm-hmm. And, and the world loves that. And not only does it love that, it loves that, it loves them, and it hates you. Mm-hmm. All at the same time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's land the plane in chapter one. Here we go. And if any of the people be wiser than to follow the examples of such men, yet the loathsomeness of their lives will make their doctrine the less effectual. Though you know the meat to be good and wholesome, yet it may make a weak stomach rise against it. If the cook or the servant that carrieth have less leprous or even dirty hands, take heed therefore to yourselves, if ever you be, to do good to others. Lastly, consider whether the success of your labors depends not on the assistance and blessing of the Lord. And where hath he made any promise of his assistance and blessing to ungodly men? If he do promise his church a blessing, even by such, yet doth he does not promise them any blessing. To his faithful servants he hath promised that he will be with them, and that he will put his spirit upon them, and his word into their mouths, and that Satan shall fall before them as lightning from heaven. But where is any such promise to ungodly ministers? Nay, you do not, by your hypocrisy, do you not, I'm sorry, by your hypocrisy, and your abuse of God provoke him to forsake you and to blast all your endeavors, at least as to yourselves, though he may bless them to his chosen? For I do not deny that God may do good to his church by wicked men, yet doth he it not so ordinarily, nor so eminently, as by his own servants. And what I have said of the wicked themselves doth hold in part of the godly, while they are scandalous and backsliding in proportion to the measure of their sins. So Baxter ends out by saying, the Lord has not promised to bless the work of ungodly men. The Lord has made no promises to give blessing to those, to give assistance to those who do not practice holiness. Yeah. So thinking about this section in the entire context of what we've learned in chapter one, right? Because this is going to end of chapter one. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to summarize what Baxter taught me in chapter one i think i would i think i would summarize it as something along the lines of man you better be looking at yourself first yes number one as a pastor and you need to be looking at yourself constantly Mm -hmm. and you need to be looking at yourself with great scrutiny because other people are looking at you Mm -hmm. and and as an aside we need that we need other people looking at us yeah like i think i think that's I'm going to summarize the, the entire chapter. It's going to be that. Watch your doctrine and your life closely. So says Paul to Timothy. Yeah. I mean, it's almost, chapter one's almost just an expansion of those words from Paul to Timothy. Yeah. Examine life and doctrine closely. And in doing so, you may save both yourself and those who hear you. Mm-hmm. There's this call to, to do both. Okay. Yeah. Final yeah. thoughts, David? Yeah, I think for me, you know, the thing that sticks out the most looking back over chapter one, you know, all of it's just reason after reason for why we should take heed to ourselves, why we should look after our lives. But I think the reason that sticks out the most for me was talking about the work of the enemy. Yeah. That the work of the enemy is strong against us. That's good. That he comes against us strongly, desiring to devour us. And so we must look after our own lives we must absolutely good well i hope that 
We hope that you've gained from this reading of chapter one of Baxter. Next week, we will, uh, we will be back and we will be beginning. Uh, we'll take a few weeks. I think we have a set plan for how long we're going to do it yet. We're going to spend a few weeks in uh, the book Valley of Vision. It has been a transformative book in my life. It's been one of the best things that I think I've ever read apart from the scriptures. And I'm really looking forward to David and I getting to pick a few that we've just mm-hmm. really enjoyed and leading some conversation in that. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate you spending the time uh, on your commute or however you were listening to uh, to this podcast. And uh, if you would, uh, we are on um, Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify and, uh, and hopefully also uh, by now on Apple Podcasts. If you would like and share those things so that we can, uh, we can be a blessing to others. If it was a blessing to you, we'd love to be able to share uh, this time with other people as well. Yeah, so positive reviews help out. Yeah, they really At do. At least I'm told. Yeah, uh, so I hear. We'll see. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hope you have a great day. Goodbye.